We're going to continue our series called Legacy. And this message, for some reason, it seems like I've been preparing it for like three weeks. <laughs> and I don't know why. It just seems like I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's just like one of those messages that's really stuck with me. Uh, for what seems to be longer than I've been preparing it. And so I feel like there's something for somebody here. And so I want to look at the life of David, just the, the front side of the life of David. And many of you guys know the story, but it starts off um, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And he's just a young man. He's just a teenager. He's just keeping sheep. And, and all of a sudden, there's this moment where the prophet is coming over to their family's house. And, and this big moment where he's going to anoint somebody king. And, and 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, it says, Then Samuel said to Jesse, that's his, his dad, it says, Are all your sons here? Because he went through each one and th- said, you know, I'm supposed to anoint one of your sons. And he went through them, and he's like, I, I don't think any one of these guys are it. And, and he says, are all your sons here? And he said, there re- remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And so there's this big, huge, important moment, and David isn't even invited to the moment. <laughs> he's just told to go out and to keep the sheep. He doesn't even get to sit and watch this happen. I mean, think about this. The prophet is coming to your house. He's going to anoint one of your brothers, supposedly, to be the next king. And, and David doesn't even get invited. He's told to just stay and to watch the sheep. And, and it's, it's the most important moment. And David's not invited. And he's hidden away from everyone else. It's just a strange occurrence, but he, how many of you guys ever have like a family reunion and you have the kitty table? How many of you guys have the kitty table at the family reunion? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you guys, you're like, you're still, you're like an adult now and you still, there's not enough room at the main table and you still go to the kitty table and if you, yeah, yeah. So this is like, this is to the extreme for David. He's not even invited to the moment to be able to even watch this. He's hidden away. How many of you guys have ever felt like you've been in a hidden season before? Has anybody ever felt that? I mean, where it seems like everything's going on, but you're, you're kind of hidden away, tucked out of the, the storyline. And that's the way David's story starts. And I'm, I'm sure he had dreams about what God wanted him to do and dreams in his heart. And, 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 but he's the youngest, right? And he's the runt of the family. Some even Bible translations will say that. He's the, the youngest of the family. And so they assumed there's no way that David would even be picked. Why even invite him to this whole event? He's hidden away. And sometimes God calls you and, and maybe he puts a calling on your life. Maybe he puts a dream in your heart. Maybe he, he puts a, a mark uh, on you in some way. Maybe he gives you a dream, a business idea, uh, maybe some hope for a, a restoration in your family. Maybe he, he puts something on your heart where he, you have something in your life that you need a breakthrough in, and he, he puts this out there, and then it seems like you're hidden away for a season. This is what happens. Uh, Henry David Thoreau was uh, you know, attributed with this quote, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to their grave with the song still in them. Some people debate that last line, but I thought, well, that's a, it is, you know, say what you will, it's a powerful line, that that's the way a lot of people experience life, and they go to their grave, and the song that God put in their heart is still in them, even at the grave. And 
And I'm sure David had this idea of what God was going to do for him, but he doesn't even get invited to the party. And then you have to imagine David is out there in the field, and he's just watching the sheep, and he knows this is going on, and then somebody runs up to him. And somebody comes and says, hey, David, we need you to come. And he's like, why? Is it over? Do I need to clean something up? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And they say, no, they need to see you. And so David gets all excited, and I can just imagine him running back to the house, and it seems like everything is turning around for him in 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. It says, and he sent, and he brought him in, and now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And so David, I mean, out of all, in this most improbable moment, I mean, shocks everybody. That he gets anointed in front of his brothers. He was hoping just to be there to see one of his brothers anointed. And then at a big turnaround, he gets anointed. says, Arise. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the, his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I have to even imagine, though, as surprising as this moment was for David and everyone else, I have to imagine just a little bit that God put this seed in David's heart. That God put this dream in his heart, the most improbable dream that one day he would be king. I, I just, I'm just guessing, I'm just imagining that, that he put this. And so in some ways, it, it may have not been so much of a surprise to David because God had been, and this is what God does with us. God places dreams in our heart way before we'll ever see them come to pass. And he placed this, I believe that David had an inkling that something big was going to happen in his life. And, and against all odds, it seemed to happen quicker than anybody thought, and for sure quicker than he thought it would be. He's anointed as king. And in this mon monumental turnaround, he's anointed. And so what do you think happened next? He, he got rich, he got famous, he got an agent. No, he went back out the next day and he started watching sheep. And it seems like everything that was the big turnaround, the big moment, the big calling, how many of you guys have had that happen before where it seems like God gives you a word and it seems like maybe God gives you an idea for a business thing or God gives you a dream or God gives you a moment where you can have a break. He gives you a picture of a breakthrough and you think this is it. Everything's gonna change now. This is my turnaround. And then you find yourself the very next day doing what you did before. Has anybody been there or is it just me, right? I mean, we find ourselves right there. He's right back with the stinking sheep in a pasture by himself. Can you imagine the next day? He's just sitting there. Every, he's probably still has some of that anointing oil still on him. But there he is watching the sheep. He's what I call anointed but hidden. He got the prophetic word, but he's hidden. He got the assignment, but he's hidden. He got destiny put on him, but he's hidden. hidden and, he, and he probably thought it'd be the next day, but it didn't happen that way. And this is where most people's songs go to their grave with them. Because we get discouraged. We give up on it and we say, it didn't, maybe that wasn't God or maybe I'm not the right person. And here's another quote that, that I heard that I like. It says, the tragedy of life is not when a man dies, but what dies inside a man while he lives. Sometimes God puts something on the inside of us, and, and because it doesn't happen in our timeline, because it doesn't happen in the way we thought it would, we begin to alter the dream. We begin to alter the size of it. We begin to alter the scope of it. Sometimes we let it go all together, and we just think, well, that was just a young man's dream, or that was just a young woman's dream. That wasn't maybe for me. 
And I, I had, we, we've all had that. When, when, I mean, even now when we're going through this time like this, there was a couple weeks ago um, when we just had a, a handful of people in, in the service. And, and God just kind of nudged me. He's like, go back to the back of the auditorium. And I went back to the back of the auditorium and I, and I saw just kind of people sparsely sitting in seats. And he reminded me of earlier days as a church when there, this was, that was all we had was just a sparse amount of people. And, and I've told you the story before, but I was discouraged, so discouraged one day and, and in a hard season. We had worked really hard and not saw what I thought was a lot of fruit for all of our labors. And, and I sat there in, a, in a, a room by myself and I was just frustrated and I was just ready to throw in the towel, ready to quit. And, and I heard God's voice speak to me and he said, Sean, if, I, if you knew it was my will to pastor these hundred people for the rest of your life and you didn't see much fruit out of it and you didn't, it didn't grow beyond that and it didn't see some of the things that, that you'd hoped for, but you knew it was my will for you to, to be here and to pastor these people, would you do that? And of course, when God asks you a question, most of the time you do know the answer, right? He's, he's kind of leading you on, right? And so I knew what the right answer was, but I didn't want to say the answer because I wanted to make sure that I had solidified it in my heart. And so I sat there and I prayed and I waited on the Lord. And, and I realized, yeah, God, that's really all I want. I just want your will. I just want your will. And, and so I said, yes. And, and I, I think we have to get to that point where no matter what's going on, we really just want God's will. And I have to imagine that David had that moment. He gets anointed and he goes back and he's sitting out in the pasture and he could be frustrated, right? And, and I can almost hear this conversation with, God, with David and God and, and God comes to David and he says, hey, David, if, if you knew it was my will, for you to shepherd these hundred sheep here for the rest of your life, and, and you knew that was, that was it, but it was my will, would you do that? I have to imagine that David said yes. See, because God is always after our heart above all else. He wants us not to chase after a thing, a dream, an idea, a, a breakthrough. He wants us to chase after him. And I have to imagine that that's how it went for David when he answered that question, and and yet there's, there's people here today that you feel exact, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I say anointed but hidden, you've got that breakthrough idea, you, you see that relationship that needs to be restored, you, you have that dream, you have that business idea, but it seems like it's just not happening yet. So what do you do when you've been anointed but are still hidden? I, I'm going to share with you some things that I believe we need to know, or you might want to know. And the first one is this. Attention is a limited resource. Attention is a limited resource. A few years ago, I was on Facebook, and I was scrolling through Facebook, and I noticed that I was seeing some stories and videos as it would go through, and all of a sudden, it would start to just ignite some emotion in me. Have you guys have ever had some of those happen before, right? You're seeing that, and it's like, Man, you start to get kind of riled up when you see this, and maybe you kind of watch a video clip or a news story or somebody posted some rant or something like that, and I'd start to get stirred up, and I started to realize that this is uh, tying up quite a bit of my mental and emotional energy right now. 
And so I realized I had to do something. And so I started to uh, redo uh, my news feed a little bit. I, how true is that today, though? How many of you guys have scrolled through Facebook or Instagram, wherever, and you see something that stirs up your anger, maybe causes a justice like, well, this isn't right, or maybe it brings some sort of satisfaction in you to see somebody get what they had coming? Has anybody been there? Just me. All right. Just me. Thank you, Jim. Just me. Okay. I'll go home now. Um, no. We've all been there, haven't we? Where we see something that just is like, man. But I want to remind you that attention is a limited resource. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 13 we see that David has been just keeping the sheep. He's pasturing the sheep. He's shepherding the sheep in the pasture. And, and he's just going and going and going. And he's been anointed king, but he doesn't have any kingdom yet. And then all of a sudden we see this opportunity where in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 13, it says, The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. So they'd followed the king into battle. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David, watch this, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Whenever you have something in your heart that God is calling you to, you have to understand that your attention is a limited resource. See, David understood something, and there's a little key here. There's, there's really two places that we want to put our attention. Now, there's going to be a third that's going to be an obvious, but it's really two places that we need to put our attention uh, and our focus in a time like this. The first thing is keeping the dream alive. You notice that David went to Saul. He went to where he went to be around kings. He was keeping what God had said. He was keeping the word alive, keeping the dream alive. And the second place we need to put our focus is taking care of what God has already placed in front of you. This is where most of us go astray because we end up spending all of our time on the dream instead of what's right in front of us. You notice that he went to Saul, but he also came back and he was faithful in the pasture when no one saw what he was doing. But yet there's a third place that I think many people end up. And it is not in where God has them now. And it's not living in the future of where God will have them. It's in this in-between place called the, the, the place of woe. <laughs> Why? Woe is me. The place of frustration. The place of, God, why hasn't it happened yet? And so, and again, attention is a limited resource. And if we spend our attention, our attention in between what God has already placed in our life and where the dream will be, if we keep our attention focused on the woe and the why, attention is a limited resource. And it will eventually run out and we only have so much attention. We live stuck between where we are and where we want to go in the world of dissatisfaction. And it's only in Jesus, and this is where the third focus comes from that I want to highlight, it's only in Jesus can we really be satisfied in two worlds, the place where he's calling us to and the place where we are without living in the in-between in frustration and disappointment. 
It's only in Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are this earth. And so, a few years ago, I started to customize my Facebook feed. You realize you can do this, right? So I started to customize it and and unfollow this, unfollow that, add this. I started joining different, different groups like, like log cabin groups and outdoors. And just, so then when I'm looking at my Facebook, I'm like seeing places like, oh man, that's a, oh, I'd like to live. That's awesome. You know, do you realize that you can customize the feed in your thought life? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Here's the truth. You get to design the landscape of your thought life. You get to design it. You, whether you realize it or not, you, whether you, I mean, and really your thought life is really what you create and what you allow, just like your culture of your life, but you get to design it. You get to build the boundaries. You get to steward your attention. And what I see so many people doing when they have been anointed, yet they're hidden, is they have lost the focus on where it should be. The second thing you need to know is this. Actions unseen lead to pivot point opportunities. Now, Pastor Aaron talked about pivot point opportunities uh, a few weeks ago. And so I, I sat down with him and we shared some of these things and how this really worked in our lives. So watch this. All right, point number two is actions unseen lead to pivot point opportunities. So, Pastor Aaron, you talked about pivot point opportunities a couple weeks ago. Just remind us what that is. So, in everybody's life, there's a time where you come to a fork in the road. And it makes me think about that in Proverbs, there's that verse that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's not a good way to go, right? Because it ends in death. And so... There's another scripture uh, that I talked about that says that um, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm -hmm. And so when we get to those spots where we have a choice of one way to go or the other, and there may be a way that seems right to us, that's why it's so important. It's a pivot point. We can go one way or the other. We've got to be able to hear leadership from God on which way to go. So David has been anointed, but he is still in a hidden season and he's getting ready to walk into one of these pivot points and he's asked by his dad to do something. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. It says, and Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. And so basically he's been anointed king, but he's being asked to, I mean, his life really in reality, he's just a delivery driver. And in fact, I mean, with grain and cheese, he's basically delivering cheese pizzas. That's what he's doing. So that's his life is he's yeah. delivering cheese pizzas right now. And, but he's getting ready to walk into a pivot point. He's getting ready to deliver the most important pizza of his life because he is getting ready to have this opportunity opportunity to kill a giant, but he doesn't know it yet. And so these actions that are kind of hidden actions, these things that God asks us to do, these seasons that we're in, a lot of times they lead us to these moments and we don't even know it. And we all have those times in our life, those seasons in our life where that's what happens. And so for me, 
I knew when I was a teenager, I was called to be a, a youth pastor. I was called to be a pastor. And yet, you know, I didn't have any opportunity. I'd been like anointed, you could say, because I had a word from God that I knew that's what I was supposed to do, but I didn't have an opportunity. And so I was asked though to be a worship leader. And so it felt right, even though I knew I was called to do something else. And so for five years, I led worship. And people would have known me as a worship leader. They didn't know me as a youth pastor because I wasn't one. I had never, I hadn't even preached sermons. And yet I had led worship over and over again. And I just went in and I served that youth pastor that was there. I'd come in and I'd watch his kids. I'd clean the youth room and nobody knew it. But those things positioned me for a pivot point opportunity that I didn't know when it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. And so we all have those opportunities and you probably have some yourself. You didn't even want to be in youth ministry and yet you were serving in youth ministry. Well, and one of my biggest pivot points was connected to the pivot point you had. Right. Because what happened when you got asked uh, to pivot out of the worship leading uh, area of serving into actual your first real step into pastoring. Right. I was asked to pivot in to worship leading. Right. And um, I had no, I, I mean, I love music and I like to write music and I like to lead the band, but I didn't have any desire to lead worship. Well, in fact, a lot of people don't know this, but when like I was leading worship, Pastor Ann was leading the band and uh, you would write songs or record songs and you would give me demos of the songs right. and with the promise that I wouldn't let anyone else hear you sing it, <laughs> that right. I wouldn't play it for anyone else. Now, yeah. no, it sounds crazy now because you do that all the right. time. And so, but at the time, it's like it wasn't what you felt like you were right. supposed to do. I just played the guitar and that's the only, and that's why I think pivot points are so important because if you would have asked me back then, uh, you know, hey, you should be a worship leader, or hey, someday you should be an associate pastor, I would have just laughed and laughed because <laughs> all I cared about was just playing the guitar. And, but I didn't see what God wanted me to become, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand the path that was in front of me, but I, I trusted God and praise God. Right. So God uses these actions that are unseen that lead us up to these pivot points to position us for the right place at the right time. The problem is we don't know which unseen actions are going to lead us to the pivot points we want to have happen. And that's why God calls us to be faithful. So point number two is actions unseen lead to pivot point opportunities. Did you catch that? You don't know which unseen hidden action that God is calling you to be faithful in, you don't know which one of those moments is gonna be the moment that unlocks the pivot point. David didn't know that particular day as he was delivering that cheese pizza, he didn't know that it was gonna be the day that he would have an opportunity, but he was faithful in what God had put in front of him. Watch this in 1 Samuel 16, 7, go all the way back to that anointing moment when Samuel's trying to figure out who to anoint, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on, the on his height or stature because I've rejected him. He says, for the, and we know this scripture, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, right? God, God looks not at the outside. What is he saying here? God looks and he sees the hidden things that no one else can see. Those things, those times when you're hidden, do you know that that's what God is looking for? You know, God is looking for those hidden times. God looks on, not on the outside, but on the inside. 
I could say it this way. It's not what you do. Let me say it this way. It's what you do when no one is looking that determines your opportunities for when everyone is looking. It's what you do when no one is looking that determines your opportunities for when everyone is looking. You know, you know when, you, when you grow vegetables like we do in our garden, you know, you see the, the fruit of the, of, you know, what's on, you see the tomato, you know, all this type of stuff. We, we can see it, but you know that most of the work is done under the surface, right? Most of the time is under the surface. The roots are the most important thing. And I could say it this way. The outside is where the fruit is seen, but the inside is where the fruit is born. So many of us want to focus on the outside where it's seen, but, but few of us really want to take the hidden times and actually bear fruit because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. All right, third thing you might want to know in this season is this. I've heard it put it this way. Attitude is almost everything. My old pastor used to say that all the time. Attitude is almost everything. And the question is, will you do the hidden things the same way you say you'll do the visible things? This is where the test is at. If there's any test in all of it, it's will you do the hidden things the same way, the the invisible things the same way you say that you'll do the visible things? Because I believe it works this way. I believe that God entrusts us with visible things to the, degree, to the degree we handle the invisible things. And so many of us, were in an invisible season, a hidden season. We're like, well, when I get here, then I'll work hard. When I get here, then I'll do this. When I get here, then I'll really shine. I believe God entrusts us with the visible to the degree we can handle the hidden. And that's the principle of God. We, we see this even in David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He walks and delivers the cheese pizza. And wh- who's there? You guys know the story. One of the most famous stories in all of history is David versus Goliath. And we see Goliath is shouting out his you know, insults. And David says, hey, I'll step up to the plate. This young man, who said, I'll, st- I'll take him out. All the soldiers were, were, you know, they were scared. And here David says, no, I'll take him out. And they say, well, wait a minute. You know, you're just a young kid. You know, what, what do you have to do with this? And 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33, And Saul said to David, You're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, he said, Now, watch what's happening here. David starts to list off all of the things he did while he was hidden. To the degree that he did them. Watch this. It says, but it says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there was a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. We don't see David grumbling and complaining while he's delivering the pizzas. We see him preparing. Some of you are in a season right now where it feels like I'm just delivering pizzas. We didn't see David grumbling and complaining. We see him preparing. We don't see him grumbling watching the sheep. We see him writing songs and killing predators in preparation. Because it's the hidden things, the degree we handle the hidden things, I believe is the degree that he 
allows us to handle the visible things. And I want you to understand this. His attitude was the aroma of his future, not his current circumstances. Let me ask you, how's yours? <laughs> See, we get, we get into a frustrating season and we say, well, I'm justified to be frustrated. I'm justified to, be, to have some complaints. David's attitude was the aroma of his future. I'm sure when you got around David, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. I'm sure when you got around him, you'd probably be like, man, what is different about this guy? I mean, this guy just carries himself. He's just a young kid, but he carries himself to such a degree that Saul allows and he risks the future of Israel on him because he carried himself in such a way. His attitude is the aroma of his future, not his present circumstances. Last thing is this, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. You might want to know this, that acceleration comes from the Lord. Acceleration comes from the Lord. We all know this moment. This is the moment where he has his opportunity. 1 Samuel 17, verse 50 and 51. So David goes into battle. He prevails over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. You remember Saul offered him his armor. He's like, I can't do it with this. I've got to use what I've got to use. And he struck the Philistine and he killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David, and so David ran, over and ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. That's a little graphic, kids. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Here's what happens to most of us. We get an idea from God, a confirmation from God, whatever it is, a dream, and we get hasty. And we get hasty and we get nervous and we get frustrated. And I believe it's because we limit God's speed to our vehicles. We limit God's speed to our vehicles. I heard it put this way this week. Um, maybe we see our destination. And if you guys, if you have your phones and you use your GPS and maybe you're getting ready to go on vacation, you, you set your destination, you see the path, or at least a possible path. There may be some detours. But it tells you exactly how much time it's going to take you to get there. How many of you guys know that? It takes you exact. I look at that as the time to beat. How many of you guys do that? Like, that is my time to beat, right? But you know approximately it's going to take me this long to get to Colorado where I want to go on vacation, and here's how long it's going to take. Or maybe, you know, even in your app, you can set it if you want to walk somewhere you can set a destination and see how long it'd take you to walk it, right? So if I'm, I'm going to go on a run or something, I know exactly about how long it's going to take me to run three miles and all of that. And so we see our destination. And we know in our mind how long it's going to take us to get there, right? I mean, it's right there. The problem is, and, and we'd be accurate if we're using a bicycle or if we're running there. Or maybe even if we're in a car and so we're looking at it and we're like, whoa, I better get started or it's not going to happen. I better get started or I'm going to be late. I better get started or I might miss my opportunity. And the problem is we have limited God's speed to our vehicles. But if you compare it this way, what, what if God has you, he doesn't want you to walk there. He doesn't want you to take a bicycle to get there. He doesn't want you to get in the car to get there. 
But what if you had this revelation peeled back and you realized, oh, I'm actually sitting in the jet on the runway. And I've been sitting in this seat, and you guys know if you're waiting to take off, it can be frustrating, can it? I mean, you're just like, come on, let's go. You're taxiing all around. Like, come on, let's just get going. And if you're sitting there and you think you've got to walk across the United States, I mean, you're like, my time, I better get going. But then in a moment, acceleration comes from the Lord. It's like God can in a moment turn on the jet engines. And what would have taken you days and days and days to get there by another vehicle on God's timetable, in God's vehicle, he can, he can take the speed in a different direction. Acceleration comes from the Lord. I've said it before, but God rarely acts quickly, but when he does act, he seems to act suddenly. How many of you guys know that to be true? So many times we're just waiting on God. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. And God says, hold on, you're not going to walk there. Put the, put the bike, bike up. You're not going to take a bicycle there. In my timing, I'm going to bring an acceleration that you didn't see coming. Let, let that be a right now word for somebody. You're going to see acceleration at the right time that you didn't know was possible. You've you got to understand that God has different methods, different means. And part of the reason why you, it may be taking a little bit longer than you understand is you have to understand and, and, and to lean into the way God wants to uniquely move in your life. David had to understand how God was going to uniquely use him. Someday you'll be able to look back and say, ah, that's why. In David's case, God wanted to uniquely use him to kill the giant, not with Saul's armor, but with a sling and a stone. You know it takes a little while to learn how to be good at slinging a stone. What was David doing in the pasture? What else did he have to do? He probably had a target set up, and he's just... And it took him a while to get good at a sling and a stone. But God needed him to get good at a sling and a stone because God wanted to get some extraordinary glory through David that he wouldn't get through a sword and through conventional means. And some of you are in a hidden season because you got to get good at the sling and the stone. You're looking at somebody else's lane and you're saying, why am I not there? Why is that not for me? This is how it's done. And God says, no, 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 no. <laughs> when, when this is all done here, you're going to see why. You'll be able to see it in the rearview mirror, but it takes faith to keep on going when you can't see it yet. God, God creates these paths that others can't see. I'm going to wrap up here and have the worship team come back up. It's like I've said before, there's a scripture out of, out of Psalms where it, it indicates that, that there was a path under the Red Sea from the foundations of the earth, but no one knew it was there. It's, it's almost like, and this is so cool to think about, it's like God knows the end from the beginning. I want you to think about this with me as we're wrapping up. God knows the end from the beginning. And as God was creating the earth, and he creates the Red Sea, he's like, ah, before we fill that with water, I'm going to put a pathway under here because someday they're going to need to use that. And from the very beginning of creation, he put a path under the water that no one knew was there until the time was right. And then the waters part. And everybody's like, ah, yeah. isn't this convenient that this was here all along? And God, from the very beginning, 
Can I just tell you that from the very beginning, God has your plan mapped out. And what you can't see, God's like, ah, I got this. I got this. But our attention is a limited resource. And just like God made a way where it seemed like there was no way, this is what he does into the hearts of humanity. The Bible says that even while we we're still sinners, that he died for us, even while we were enemies to, against God. Do you know that he already made a path? That maybe when you started to live your life, you didn't see it. You didn't think you'd need it. You didn't think, well, I, I, I can make it on my own. And God's like, I, I've got a path for you. And some of us need to just lean into God's path. We've been following our own way. And our way isn't working very well. <laughs> and even when it does work, we know that it's, it, it seems like it's just barely held together. I want you to know that God made a path. He made a way, and here's how he did it. He did it through Jesus Christ. There's none of us who could be a perfect example of what life should be like. All have sinned, the Bible says, and sin separates us from God. But God made a way. Jesus said, I am the way. How did he become the way? He lived a perfect, sinless life. He became the sacrifice in our place. He said, I'll take the punishment for sin. And he took all of our sin on him in that moment, and then he rose from the dead. He conquered it. And he said, anyone who wants to come to me, all you have to do is to receive my grace and wash your sins away, not based on your good works, but based on what Jesus did for us. So I'm gonna have all of us stand up, bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And I just wanna talk to you real quick. If that's you, you say, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I, I've been living my own way, but now I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want you to understand that he has made a path. He's made a way where it seemed like there was no way. That he's made a way to your heart. He's made a way for you to come to God. And it's not based on your works. It's based on what he did. And I just want to give you an opportunity right there where you're at. You say, Pastor Sean, would you pray for me? Because that's me. I need, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. Just right there where you're at. Would you just lift up your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Just all across the room. If you just, just real quick, just lift up your hand. All right. Anybody, anybody else? Anybody else? We're just going to pray. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. That's all I'm going to do. But I believe as we pray this, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. And what I want to do today is just simply give you an invitation to start following Jesus. And we do that by simply saying yes and say, God, I'm done with my way and I want to receive your way. I want to walk with you. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. You don't have to know all this stuff. You just simply start where you are. So just, just say this, just right there in your own heart. You can put your own words to it, but I'm just gonna pray and then you can just pray however you, you can. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done. And I surrender all right now. I give everything I have to you. I believe you washed away my sins and you can give me a brand new life and so I surrender all and I confess that from this moment on that you are the Lord of my life you're in charge I give you the keys to my heart I give you the keys to my life I receive your grace thank you for washing away my sins so that I can stand right before you right before the Father I want to follow you all the days of my life
And Lord, I pray for those who prayed that prayer. Maybe they're, they're watching at home or in their car or just sitting on the side of the road taking a lunch break, God. I pray right now that somebody right now would just surrender their heart to you, have this revelation that you are so good, that you're not mad at them, that you love them, that you died for them, that you did everything to make it possible for them to be in relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would understand that they have a brand new life if they surrender to you. All things of all the past is gone and new has come. And we celebrate that. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's worship him one more time.